Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding, our special SIP series. Well, it's going to be a mouthful. SIP series, Cyrilla Sarah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please join me in welcoming Sarah Delaney to 321. Good morning, Sarah. Hi, Bobby. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I am thrilled to have you here. Uh, woman, CEO, founder, boss. Um, <laughs> so I know your time is very precious and I appreciate you being here to educate us. I got goodies. I'm I'm going to um, kick us off real quick by just kind of showing your cans because I love, I believe everybody in this, not, I shouldn't say that. I don't like global statements. I believe that there is a lot of amazing packaging in this mm. industry and like you got the rainbow thing going on <laughs> um bright colors i just love mm -hmm. it so um welcome to the show sarah i'm gonna oh. let you speak and i would love for you to introduce yourself now that i played a little show and tell <laughs> cheers cheers oh we're drinking blue i'm cracking the the blue it's a white ginger so Turn i love this let's one. drink together that's what yeah. we should be doing Cheers. It's Cheers. a little early for me. It's 1020 my time, but it's fine. I usually crack one around 11 and it just helps me with that like late morning push. I get the focus from the L-theanine. There's some caffeine and I just feel uh, like it's a great way to spend the middle of my day as I'm, I'm usually working or getting ready to do a workout. Sometimes I'll switch to the green tea for my workout and then later in the day I'll have one of the caffeine free options, usually the rooibos, like late afternoon. And then when I'm getting ready for bed or after dinner, I'll switch to the Tulsi because that just knocks me out. Oh, I love it. In a good it. way. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> what a great way to explain that, that you can have them throughout the day and they're doing different jobs. Thank you for humanizing yeah. that in, in such an easy to understand way. Yeah, I think it's it's important for people to have an understanding of what the possible occasions could be for our drinks. And there's so many great drinks out there right now. And I think, you know, we're typically grabbing one to go with something, whether it's like with our lunch or with our drive or what is that with, you know, and then who is who is the person out there grabbing our drinks and why and what are they doing with it? So that's taken me some time to really analyze and kind of make sure I'm not just making blind assumptions. Yeah. What, what is that with? I wrote down. I think that's got to be the the headline because it makes perfect <laughs> sense. Um, you brought up, you brought up something that I'm really curious about. So I'm a bottle shop um, and sober, ready to drink bar. So it fits right into my model, but who is like, who are your primary customers? Is it the non-elk industry? Is it just general beverage? Like, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, this is probably one of the most interesting and maybe challenging things to really talk about in the industry right now, because it is changing so much. And it's, for me, you know, I've been alcohol free for 17 and a half years. So it's, it's a very interesting position that I'm in, which is living 100% alcohol free. And I created this beverage originally as a social alternative for people who maybe felt like there was nothing for them. So that was a few years ago, but it dated back to when I was first getting sober and feeling like, 
you know, first of all, I threw myself into like energy drinks, you know, I was not living the healthiest lifestyle when I got sober from alcohol. And, and then I would transition away from energy drinks away from traditional sodas and mainly club soda, sparkling waters, um, just because I like that mouthfeel. I like the kind of bubbles and I didn't want all the calories and the sugar and the artificial flavors. And so we find those drinks in stores. But then even today, when I go out to eat, I'm rarely finding anything on the menus for me. So I think a lot of people start something because it fills a void that we have in our life. But then we have to look beyond us, beyond our friends, beyond people like us. And sometimes the primary customer shows up and it's a surprise. So in my case, I think it's not so much the sober person, although this is a sober safe drink, I think. It's, it's something that definitely appeals to people in recovery from alcoholism specifically. Um, but more importantly, and the bigger market size is people who just want to feel good and get healthier. Um, we really strive towards that motto of progress, not perfection, where we're really trying to be real with like, what are the goals that we can realistically meet, whether it's like diet, exercise, mindset, all those things that help us tap into our possibilities so that we can live the life that we want to live. And that is for each person to define for themselves. You're so my human. Be, I love you right now. It's a human. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, believe me, like I've, I have people or buyers or industry that wants to box us, box us into a certain category. And as much as we can kind of ride the wave of this like non-alk growth, I want to say really, I mean, I had an experience where I had applied to be part of I think it's the adult beverage, non-alcoholic beverage association. And we were told we weren't a fit and like, okay, well, no big deal. You know, I did take it a little bit personally at the time, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, this is an everyday all day occasion drink for anyone. And to be honest, like we'll sell more positioned as a grab and go drink for any time of day. It doesn't have to be, it's not a replacement for wine or beer or liquor. It really isn't. It doesn't taste like booze. We're not trying to be booze. We're, we've actually created a, a new kind of experience for your mouth. It's a new but familiar flavor profile with kind of a new effervescence. And a lot of beverage brands don't talk about the mouth feel, you know, it's, it's all the senses in our experience. It's not just the taste. I love that. I, I hope I'm not out of line. I should ask you this before I hit record and I can edit it out if you um, aren't comfortable with this question, but you said progress, not perfection, which um, kind of is an indicator to me that you might have a little experience um, in the recovery world in the 12 step yeah. model. Um is it okay that I, I talk Oh, yeah, about yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm loud and proud about that. Beautiful. Well, here's what you said and what resonated for me, because this is something that it's a very... So when you said it's like everybody's individual, you know, choice or, or journey, that's something I preach all the time. 
And I'm getting a little resistance in town from the communities um, around the concept. I don't think it's about the Cirillas of the world, but they ha- they won't even walk in to discover the Cirillas of the world mm-hmm. because of the, the mimicking properties of so many things. So um, I think that that's something that is a selling point for you. Um, and it, yeah, putting yourself in a box that, that makes complete sense to me. It's unfortunate because I think, I think that's, this is my personal philosophy. I could be completely wrong, but I almost feel on some level that people in recovery non-drinkers are going to get left behind because the, there's going to be the drinkers that they don't fit in. And then like this sober NA movement and then them where they're going to feel like no options because maybe they've been taught to not go look for the options. So it's just a pain point here based on the feedback. Yeah. That's why I think it's such an interesting conversation and it is, it is, I guess, debatable depending on who you talk to. I think being someone in recovery, um, who like I quit drinking because my life depended on it. And to me, it's a life or death situation. Um, One drink is too many um, and it's never enough. So the reason, you know, Cirilla for the sober community in that type of group, um, the people that I know that are just going to stick with LaCroix or Diet Coke, but they're kind of bored of that and looking for something else that's where Cirilla can come in and go on the menu. It can even go in the soda or juice section for all I care. You know, it can go next to the Pellegrino, next to the Perrier on the dinner menus. It doesn't have to go with the beer and wine because that's not where I would look. I don't look, I'm like, take that menu away. But if, you know, Mm. I've seen some really beautiful places these days create a one-page beverage menu where they've got it all mapped out and in bold letters, they've got zero proof, you know? And then I guess I'm curious, what is, you know, I have a 13 year old, like which menu is he going to get? Is he going to get, cause this is the whole thing. Like we want it to be on the adult menu. It's an adult, like kids can drink it, but part of the feeling of being sober and going out and not having anything to drink is we sometimes get put in that like kids menu category and it's just Mm -hmm. disempowering. It's like, I don't want a Shirley temple. I don't want an orange juice and I, and I don't drink diet Coke anymore. So, and I'm not the one who's going to get that spirit free spirit either. So I think to your point, this is where we create a Cirilla category for all of those people. And, you know, I think, We'll see what happens with the, 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 I guess, alcohol extracted beverages. I'm really curious. I'm definitely watching it. I mean, I watch the alcohol industry trends as well. I think there's a lot of voices out there that say people don't drink anymore. Or Gen Z is not drinking. I don't think it's true. I mean, there's a decline. There's a greater interest in health and wellness. But I think the... I think the younger generation is still drinking, but they're not talking about it and they're not posting about it. And with social media mm-hmm. these days, they know it's very risky to put these things out there. That's just my suspicion. Wow. Wow. That's that's a great point. Um, and as you're talking, 
you know, when I started this project four years ago of, of recovery playgrounds and um, not want a place with no alcohol, no gambling, no kids. That's kind of my shtick, right? <laughs> uh, because I want a Zen place. Yeah. Like my, my, pers- my journey led me to when I quit j- drinking and I quit gambling, where could I go where there was no kids in that commotion vibe? I like that. So that's what I'm striving to be. And this is my first store. Now, when I, when I imagineered it up, it's a $50 million property. It's three stories. It's blah, blah, blah. And I'll get there. No problem. Mm -hmm. But what's helping me by doing a proof of concept store and where I'm at right now, even though it's only one town, we're about an hour and a half from New York city. Um, we're next to a town, um, that has a lot more crime, the things, right? Like we're a town versus a city, but we're not like the biggest. And what you just said, it, it's interesting because I have a bar three doors down from me. Well, there's like seven on the street that I'm on. Um, and, I, and I'm partnering with them and in there and watching the community. And I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it's a black and white. They're not because I do see it. One of the things I see the most of is probably the integration of the weed and the drinking, which yeah. I did as a teenager too. I get it. Or the shift towards a lot of um, the THC, which mm-hmm. is something I had to ask my value system about what recovery. And I, I am not going to promote THC out of mm-hmm. the store. Um, I, you know, like I had to draw my lines in the sand, but you're right. Um, we're hearing what people want us to hear um, and having the opportunity, every single person that walks into the store, I have a conversation with them. What are, are you still drinking? Like, do you drink? Um, if you are sober, are you sober where you want things that don't mimic or mimic, like try to find everybody's values and stuff. And I don't, I don't have a lot of time to go back and compare it to the data, but to me, the customers are telling me the truth. The front line is telling me mm-hmm. the truth. What are they telling you? Well, they're, they are telling, there's different lines in the sand. Yeah. Um, I've had four 12-steppers um, come in for example, and I I have sample parties. So um, the samples I get from suppliers, I, I, I disperse so that I get real feedback because my taste buds are not going to represent the population. Um, And there's been sample parties where some of it, it might mimic a Moscow mule and the person is okay. But if it, if it mimics a tequila, maybe it's not. Yeah. And I give them just, permission to tell yeah. me. And I think that's part of um, the secret sauce to it, not just being a business to be a business to make money. It, it's mm-hmm. a business about connection and communication and having these conversations. Um, mm-hmm. So they have a safe place to say, I don't want something that reminds me of tequila or I'm having a bad right. day. I can't, you know, whatever that thing is. Everybody's allowed here to be who they need to be just so that like, as long as we're doing the best we can and we're striving for mental health, that's all I'm worried about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think for me, it depends on what was that, what was my drink of choice or what was like most problematic to me, you know? And then I'm able to do like the one thing I do at home on a regular basis is uh, I love the brand, all the bitters. And I never, I have no history of bitters. Mm -hmm. Like I never, 
those weren't my drinks. And I didn't even know there was alcohol in traditional bitters. Luckily, I found that out before I tried them. But um, so I will use the bitters in my drinks. So I'll put the lavender bitters in our Tulsi in the evening, or I'll do the orange bitters in our rooibos, which has notes of orange and honey. Mm. And to me, that's perfectly safe. Like I'll have it on ice, maybe like a squeeze of lemon. And I'm not even going to call it a mocktail. It's just that's that's like a nice beverage in the evening instead of water or just plain tea. Um, so that's what I do. But but I, I do recognize what my edge is. And, you know, even for me, like the other night on New Year's Eve, we went out to a restaurant. We The only seats they had were at the bar, which I don't love, but like you know, watching everyone make the drinks and the cocktails and pouring the champagne on New Year's Eve right in front of my face. It was a little like, okay, how grounded am I right now? And I'll do the like halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Like I don't walk into a bar or a brewery, even if it's for business, if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, it's just not safe. Yep. Even 17 years in, I don't want to take that chance. So for me, champagne, cosmopolitans like they were in my face and those were my drinks so Mm. i would never want um a a mocktail version of those i have to call out two things that you just said i i love you um (laughs) this is so good um thank you for acknowledging ian and all the bitters yes also this is exactly you asked me before we started like what's the point the point is to educate me i would have never thought to try that um mm-hmm. ian has been so supportive in this in this world um and you just gave me an option for my customers that like that so love yeah. that yeah and then um you know for those of you that follow the show through the lens of recovery or or you know just just trying to stay sober or whatever what sarah just said is important She's not here at 17 years sober saying, I got this. She's saying, I protect myself and I put my armor on so that I can take care of myself. And and kudos to you, because that's where I want to be 17 years in. I want to be aware. I want to protect myself. I want to do the right things um, to never put myself at risk. So we're never invincible um, Mm -hmm. in that way. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a saying in the rooms of recovery that um, while you're out there, I guess, not drinking, your addiction is doing push-ups. So it's for someone who truly has an addiction, like being in recovery, at least in my opinion, is it's a daily reprieve. It's not forever. Um, It takes daily work, just like staying physically fit takes daily exercise Mm -hmm. with some recovery days in between takes eating right and all those things you don't just get fit and then stop working out um so that's how i see it and you know i think it's um there's something in the brain that can get turned on um and activated into back into that addictive state for whatever that substance of choice was And sometimes it can come out sideways in other addictive ways. Um, But so that's why I did a tasting at a booze-free bottle shop sometime last summer. And I was with my husband who used to be a bartender. And 
we both kind of went into it like we we're going to make drinks and use some products we'd never used before. I wasn't sure if I wanted to taste them all. Like I think there might have been a tequila, there might have been a whiskey, alcohol free, but even like potentially traces. So I was just like really tuned in with myself and um and I had I tasted a couple and then I did I did feel my edge with one and I, it was a smell. I smelled it and it reminded me. It brought me back. It reminded me of a place that I never wanted to go again. And, you know, something lit up in my brain and I saw it and I called it out and I was like, that's the addict light. We're not going there. You know, and I think that takes some time in recovery to even recognize because we've got so many like loud voices in the beginning. And it's like how to differentiate what is, I guess, what is my higher power voice? What is my protective voice telling me in this moment? What is my inner my inner knowing, but then what is that like addict voice that sometimes gets overpowering of all those other protections. So that's like a really nuanced, um, very important thing to be able to learn how to differentiate over time. I think. That's where the daily practice comes. Then you get the skills like that, that presence and being able to tell um, those that voice, but if you're not present, if you're not mindful, if you're not all the things, oh my goodness, yes. I it's- know. And even going to events, right? It's like, it's like we want to push our push our limit for personal growth and for career success and all those things. But it's not worth it sometimes when it just feels like beyond the edge. It's like that event or that party or that group of people, it's just not safe for me today. Like for the place I'm in today, I just, I want to support, uh, I guess, and accept like where I'm at today that I'm just not going to push myself to do that right now. And that's been another hard, hard lesson, I think. Um, I like to stretch myself. I'm not the most extroverted. I would say I'm in, in between, you know, but I know like social discomfort is a big reason that people drink as well. And I think for anyone looking to kind of dip into the sober lifestyle or truly in recovery right now, like just to be mindful of that too, like what are the safe settings, at least early on that I can take a chance on? And what are the things, maybe I say, I'm going to go in the very beginning and just stay for an hour before things get, you know, loud and sloppy and late and whatever. Um, And maybe I'm going to like, you know, bring my, I'm going to have a drink in my hand when I walk in, you know, I'm going to park somewhere where I don't get blocked, like little things like that. I'm going to make sure I have like a call coming in at this time and I have to step out. Yeah. I love that. Um, I can't think of the word, but there's a word that they use where I went to outpatient um, and in, in Gamblers Anonymous for that, but but preparing yourself in those situations. And that's what I've, I've already experienced that. We've only been open two months and people are coming in. Oh, I'm on my way to this. I'm on my way to that. And they're picking up and bringing their own beverages uh, to the events and the gatherings and not letting that control the situation. That's great. Yes. That's so, great. Or even bring and bringing it as a gift too. Are people doing that now for oh, yes. like dinner parties? Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. That, so what do you do like right now when people come in and they're just getting started with dry January, maybe they're, 
I mean, how do you even approach that question when someone's just getting started? So I'm across the board, every single person um, I ask right away, do you drink? Um, you know, like why are, you know, what, what brought you in today? What's your position on all of this? Um, you know, and then the digital world, Hey, I want to come in and see you. I'm going to do dry January. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, like celebrating them for making the choice or putting the effort in. Um, so I have a lady that's coming in. She's like, but I'm only on day five. Okay. Well, five days is like a win. Like it's, it's all good. So again, just creating the safety. And you know what? If you drink during dry January, you drink. It, it mm-hmm. It's okay. This whole, I posted something a little obnoxious the other day, which was, <laughs> I, I try to not be obnoxious, but I was like, I don't want to talk about what I'm going to do the next year. Like I'm going to work hard every day. Yes. Like you don't have to wait for a calendar to flip or it to be Monday before you do the thing. You can have a a bad day. We all do. I mean, my mindset mm-hmm. isn't exactly where I want it to be today, but I could notice, you know, that thing that you're talking about, like that noticing and being like, okay. Also noticing, I don't want to sit here and be a whiny bitch to you either. Like, ah, you know, like it's all just practice and evolution and it's kind of the fun of the game. Are we becoming better mm-hmm. human beings or are we not? And, and yeah, it me that I put the effort in every day. I know. It's like um, I had a little resentment this morning because there were dishes in the sink in my house. And it's like, you know, what? if there's dishes that need to be done, just do it. Like, why would someone wait to do the dishes? And I kind of feel like that's a metaphor for life. If there's something you know you need to do, just do it. Yeah. But I don't, I'm also an Enneagram one. So I like when I have the idea, I just like I want to go for it now, which it's balanced because I've also had to learn like, well, there's all these steps in between, you know, and we also like, it's important to adjust our expectations of other people. If we're building a team around a common cause or even in a household where it's not just like my way or the highway and not everyone thinks in immediate terms, it's like a process and they have to map it out. I could talk to you all day long. (laughs) <laughs> like, I really could. There's so many topics that I'd love to go deeper in with you, but I have to watch the clock because yeah. of the next show. But um, we didn't get to um, talk too much about the history of Cirilla. Mm-hmm. Like, um, where, like, I'm curious, where's the name come from? And, and yeah. you're, you're boasting African on there. Um, so maybe, do you, can you talk about that a little? Yeah, more? I'll try to cover that real briefly. I know we're almost out of time. So The short story is I was just a couple years sober and I was offered a job in Rwanda and I'd wanted to go to Rwanda for at least a decade. Um, Throughout my 20s, I struggled to get sober. I had some really dark days and I watched a movie about the genocide in Rwanda. You can watch my TED talk, which is um, called It, It Takes a Village, How Community is the Antidote to Despair. So if you pull up my TED talk, it'll tell the story, but, um, So it was a God thing. I got a job in Rwanda. I moved there um, with my son's dad, ex-husband, and who's a chef. We were managing a restaurant in the capital of Rwanda together called Heaven. You can still visit today. It's called The Retreat with Heaven Restaurant Attached. And so since 2009, I've been incredibly attached to Rwanda. It served as really like a healing ground for me. I learned from women there you know, what it means to truly feel resilient in spirit. 
Um, I learned about a lot of things in my past that I still had to heal in order to be the person I wanted to be. Um, and then, you know, over time, when I moved back to the States, I stayed connected with folks there, um, continued to drink the tea, which I had discovered when I lived there. And I really feel like there's healing elements in this tea. I feel like just traveling to Rwanda is life changing. We do an annual trip there. We've done, I think, 13 trips now each year. We've got a crop to cup this year as well. If anyone wants to join, we still have spots on that trip. So I source all of the ingredients myself. Um, our hero ingredient is an organic regenerative tea leaf, which grows in Rwanda. We have a black, a green, a silver, a white, and we now have a healing garden farm where we're growing botanicals and we have two herbal flavors now. So we're shifting to as much as we can growing regenerative organic ingredients because it's better for our bodies, it's better for the planet, it's better for the people who are growing it. Um, so that's kind of the short story. It's it's my big why, it's my big kind of gift. Like to my, they gave me so much living in Rwanda and the people I work with are really these bright lights in my life. And they inspire me to keep doing this work every day even though building a beverage brand is really, really tough. I can't even wrap my head around it. When you think about all the competition and you watch the entrepreneurial shows and all the things, it's like, oh, you're never going to break the code, shelf space, da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you deserve a lot of credit for that too, Sarah. And that's Thank a beautiful you. mission. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a beautiful uh, ingredient to work with, you know, and there's such a ripple effect when someone buys Cirilla. I think the number one exclamation or, or, or feedback they say the first time is this tastes so clean. And mm. it's that word like it really is. You can taste the clean ingredients. There's no pesticides, no preservatives. 80% of the world's tea is grown with pesticides. You don't want to drink that. Um, so I think because I built the supply chain and the mission and the purpose before the product, that's what really sets us apart. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just getting started, but the more we can grow, the more we can sell, the bigger impact there is with our producer partners. And um, and I think that we can serve as a, as a role model and example to to other entrepreneurs and, and beverage brands that you can build a product with purpose and still compete with the big CPG brands out there. I love it. I love it. You, you gave me one of the things that I really, well, you gave me a lot of things today, but you gave me the big thing that I love doing. When I do a store tour, I talk about um, the stories behind the brands and that's such a gorgeous story. And I'm excited to share that um, in future tours. Um, is there anything, how about you give a shout out to all your social media and, yeah. um, I'm going to try to sweet talk you after I stop recording to see if you'll come back and do the recovering entrepreneur with me, because I Ooh. think there's a lot of business stuff I want to chat with you about and, and yeah. we're just aligning a lot of things. So yeah. um, where can people find you? Yeah. Well, I'd love to come back and I can't wait to see your store. I'm so excited to visit. Um, but we're, I'm most active on Instagram, which is drink Cirilla. We're building on TikTok, which is hysterical. Um, so don't judge me, but it's fun. Um, so that's drink Cirilla. 
Our website is drinksorilla.com. Everything is drinksorilla. We're on Facebook. We have a YouTube channel and I'm very active personally on LinkedIn. So if anyone wants to connect with me personally, it's Sarah Stender Delaney on LinkedIn. Beautiful. And you can also, oh, there's one thing I do want to shout out is I'm so excited about, you mentioned some of our flavors. So we have six flavors in the lineup now. I'm doing my first cause collab with Pink Boots Society. So Pink Boots is a nonprofit that supports women in brewing industry around the country. They have about 1,300 members. So I created a flavor specifically to support that organization. 5% of sales is going to Pink Boots. And it's called Hoppy Hibiscus. So we're taking pre-orders now, which is wholesale only at the moment. Um, But we have a page on our website describing our Hoppy Hibiscus. And it's alcohol-free, sugar-free, calorie-free. It's made with uh, citra hops um, from Washington State, grown regeneratively organic, no pesticides, uh, blended with an organic regenerative hibiscus flower and orange peel. And it's amazing. It's my first entree into like the world of hops. So I'm really excited for that to come out later this month. Oh, I'm glad that you shared that. Thank you. And I made a note, Hobby Hibiscus. So, well, Sarah, this has been a pleasure. Um, Thank you so much for all your wisdom on so many things. Thanks for having me. This is fun. And congratulations to you as well.